howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 275. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. And not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes. And it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, howdy do. Welcome back, Who fans. This is the Big Blue Box Podcast, episode 275. Hope you've all had a cracking couple of weeks. And that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Related, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. We have, yeah. Kind of. If you call a holiday just doing what you always do, I suppose. And we've been what, on holiday. What, what working? <laughs> yeah, working and all that jazz. Somebody messaged me last night and said, Oh, you haven't uploaded a video to your YouTube. I know, he's like, I love your YouTube, man. I was like, Thanks. He's like, But you haven't uploaded a video for like two <laughs> months. I'm like, Mate. Work is killing me. <laughs> I just don't have the time. I, I'll tell you, I'd love to be, you know, doing some vids at the minute. Mm-hmm. Some of the new B&M sets that have come out, I'd love to be doing vids of them, but it's just no time. No time uh, at Funny all, thing, time. Time, <laughs> indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we were rolling through the old key to time stuff, which was great. But then we had work stuff come up and then we had traveling to do and stuff like that so we had to abandon the old recording but we're back though we're back back on the ball we've got um uh, we're continuing the key to time stuff that's coming up later so that's all good uh new listeners aboard the podcast welcome welcome waving uh old timers welcome back waving too hope you're all well uh yeah so we had uh for the first time in what feels like forever Adam and I had a, a wee meet-up in London last yeah. weekend yeah. for Adam's birthday. I'm not going to say the age. I'm not going <laughs> to... Well, you can say in Time Lord years, but not, not Earth years. Yeah, it translates to roughly around 21 or 22. I'd leave it there. 
<laughs> but yeah, we had a little <laughs> meetup in uh, London. It was so good, dude, just to meet up and hang yeah, out. It really was. Yeah, go to a bit of FP, crash, crash in there and wind up the staff a little bit and then go and have a few beers. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a cracking day, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, I, I can't remember the last time we actually met up in person. Uh, although we speak to each other pretty much every week, don't we? But yeah, um, good to go to FP together as well. Because again, I don't think we've done that for quite a while. Um, obviously, the cabinet of doom is no more. They, they've got <laughs> rid of that dusty old cabinet. Um, but was was you surprised at how small the Doctor Who section was? Because it's, it's kind of, you go in the door and you could quite easily walk past it, couldn't you? Because it's now right inside the, because you have to go in the back door of FP now mm-hmm. to get in and you, you leave by the front because it's near the tilt. And the Doctor Who section is literally, as you go in, it's right there in front of you as you sort of walk into the store. So it's very easy to just walk past it. Um, mm. But was you surprised at the size of the I was. Yeah. I was indeed. Yeah, it's it's sad, really. It's sad, but it, but expected at the same time. Yeah, because really. uh, yeah, we've spoken about the cabinet of doom, the cabinet of woe, for God knows what about three years now. I think. No, well, it must be around two years at least. Because it's the, the sad thing about it is because it, it almost feels like although it's got its own section now and they've got rid of that kind of crusty old cabinet. Yeah, which is in a way is great. I can just imagine <laughs> the, the 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 manager of the store just getting it in his arms and going, "Right, let's get rid of this," and just throwing it. <laughs> yeah, just, Been waiting yeah. to do that for months, yeah. smashing it to pieces. <laughs> yeah, so they they got rid of that. But what was sad is before that, and this is no over exaggeration, but I think for the last couple of years, when we've gone in there, and we obviously gravitate towards the Doctor Who section, we go up to the cabinet. And like I said, no over-exaggeration. They had the same stuff in there for at least a couple of mm-hmm. years. They just had these, yeah. um, like a, a scattering of, of old titans. titans. Yeah. Uh, this old Jack, Captain Jack bust and a teapot. And that was it. That literally oh, was it. the teapot's it. still there. The but it's been moved to the big cabinet. Because <laughs> Gary spotted it on the way out. He's like, oh, look, they've still got the, the what is it? Is it a Dalek teapot or TARDIS? Can't remember it's what a TARDIS it is. teapot, I think, just a, yeah. It's just a teapot with like a design on the side of it. Um, I think it's, a, yeah, it's a TARDIS, I think. Um, you spotted it on the way out, didn't you? The main, it's been moved to the main cabinet with all the lovely things in. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I do yeah. love that they have got a really nice display cabinet right in the middle of the store. It goes right through the whole store. Mm. Now, that is a nice cabinet. <laughs> That's the, that oh. is a nice cabinet indeed. I wouldn't mind having a few bits out of there, for sure. Oh, we were looking as we were queuing up at the till, weren't we? And I was just like, God, oh, look at these. So there's loads of Star Wars stuff, and um, it's all quite expensive. But the figures actually look a lot like the, the likeness on some of the Star Wars stuff is is really good. I don't know who produces those those figures, but they yeah. look fantastic. Um, yeah, those ones are the um, like Hot Toys and Sideshow collectibles. Those kind of companies mm-hmm. that do the uber detailed, really nice ones. I think the closest we've got to that for Doctor Who is the um, is it Big Chief? Is that Big what they're Chief, called? Yeah. They're the closest we'll get to those kind of data. But even, oh, let's not get into the big chief stuff. I know a few of our listeners absolutely love them, so we won't we won't mm-hmm. bash them too much. But they're not really on par with those hot toys and those. No, they're ones. not. They're not my. I know a lot of people love them. They're not. They've never grabbed me. Having said that, the Delgado one, the big chief are bringing out, is the first one that's really caught my eye. Uh, that mm. the likeness on that, pretty good actually. It comes with the the doll, the deaf doll from. Terror of the um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was nearly to Terror of the Voice. 
Terror of the Autons. So mm-hmm. he does look pretty decent, that one. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm trying to think. So what did we come out with? Because obviously we didn't really buy anything Doctor Who. I think I bought... No, actually, I bought one audio CD. A CD? A, a compact disc. A compact disc <laughs> of a Doctor Who story, Survival, um, which um, our good, my good friend Morgan very kindly bought me for my birthday. So I got that, but I think that was the only Doctor Who thing. So I bought a couple of He-Man figures. You bought me a, a He-Man figure of Evil Seed. He cracks me up. I love it. We'll see. <laughs> Broccoli. Um, yeah. And that was pretty much it. And what did you get? You got a art book, didn't you? But I can't think what. Yeah. Is it Star Wars? No, no. It was Into the Spider-Verse, the art of. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cracking film. So when we before we went into FP, I thought, I wonder, I wonder if there's any any Doctor Who merch that we can, that we can get stuck into. Because I thought to myself, right, I've got a couple of books that I want to get. I've got my, I've got my eye on some comics and a couple of books, which I picked up, which was great. But there's a little part of me that thought, I just wonder if there's like a couple of cool bits that we haven't seen yet in the whole Doctor Who section. But alas, it was just the same old teapots and T-shirts. Had some toys there from like 2005. Yeah, and they've reduced. I noticed they've reduced the new the Dalek, the the new pop. So they had the 30th Doctor pop, the Dalek, and the Kablam Man were all reduced to like three pound fifty, which was. Pretty low for. I mean, they're not even been out that long, have they? Those no. pops. It's a sad um, state so of affairs, those. mate. Uh? It's a sad state of affairs for sure. Mm. Yeah. I did have a look downstairs. They had a few Eagle Moss figures because I sometimes pick up them, uh, and if possible, I like to get them from the store because sometimes the paint apps are all right on them, but sometimes you can see that whoever was doing it that day <laughs> had had a very long day, and even just painting an eye can be tricky. Uh, so <laughs> they, I was looking at they had. Um, a two-pack of Eric Roberts and the Monk uh, from the Hartnell story. Um, uh, but I didn't get it. I was like, I, I, they didn't, the like this wasn't very good. But there was something about, yeah. I wanted to own an Eric Roberts master figure. Um, but I think it was about 20 quid. I just thought, no, I can't bring myself to, I'd rather have the He-Man figure. <laughs> that so, so I bought the He-Man figure instead. Um, did Because we met with our good friends, the Who Addicts, um, as well. We had a great day with them. Did, um, did they buy anything, Doctor? I think they bought a steel book of um, faceless ones, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Which I know they were very pleased to get. Uh, yeah, did they I've... buy anything else, Doctor? They related? got some Titans, didn't we? We did some unboxing, but they got some. Yeah, we did some unboxings. Yeah. Um... I think that was it. Yeah, I think Liv she picked up some Marvel stuff. I think Star Wars, maybe. Can't remember exactly, but I, think I know it, she yeah. picked up two handbags from the Westfield shopping centre that probably cost about a thousand pounds. I don't know how much they were, but I mean, they looked pricey. She was saying, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah. I've spent this. But yeah, so I think she was happy, but nothing, yeah, nothing too Doctor Who related, I don't think, apart from the steelbooks. They might want to correct me. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick up any anything Doctor Who did for the reasons we just spoke about. But The, the, the new Power of the Daleks Blu-ray is out this week, um, which I haven't, got yet um i might get it uh, this week at some point if i get a chance to pick it up i'm, I'm hearing quite good things actually because i wasn't i like the story and i thought the animation was all right i thought the release was a good release but when they announced a special edition i couldn't really get that excited about it because i was thinking well it wasn't that long ago it came out really um but i am hearing very good things it's um i probably will pick it up this week forget it. i'm hearing that the animation's a lot better um, some nice new little extras on it. Um, covers certainly better, I think. I, I like the cover of this new special edition. So I might pick that up in the, mm. some point this week. 
Yeah, that reminds me, actually, we had, um, I've not replied yet, we've had a couple of people ask us about whether there's going to be a steelbook of the special edition, and the answer is no at the moment, so if anyone's wondering or asking about that, no steelbook, no. They did one before, didn't they, for Power, yes. which had better artwork, I liked I liked the artwork on the steelbook from what I remember, hmm. yeah, but, um, so I might pick that up. Maybe. Over, apart from our, our fantastic London meetup, because um, so in the evening, unfortunately, you, because um, you live further out of London now, you, you had to leave us about four. It worked out quite well, actually. We sat down and had a nice little drink, didn't we, at the BFI bar, which mm. was open. So we had a nice little drink and a little bit of unboxing, and then sadly you had to go. And then we headed off to the one of my favourite places in London, the Shad Thames, where they filmed Resurrection of the Daleks. Um, for a, for a meal and quite a few drinks, uh, our good friend Beef joined us, and uh, he was hilarious. Tore the place apart. He did. It was really good fun. But just before we headed off, I don't know if you saw the picture. I we were just about to get get the tube, and I said, "Oh, I just want to look at the little market stall outside the BFI bar." And I saw sort of our eyes roll of, "Oh God!" And I thought, oh, "I'll just be one minute. I was have a little look." So they got any Doctor Who books. And while I was looking, Matt was like trying to get my attention. Matt from the Hurley, he's like, "Is that Rob Shearman?" And I was like, "What?" And there was a chap with headphones on, in a sort of um, salmon-coloured top. And I was looking at him, and I couldn't decide if it was him or not. I was like, "It looks like Rob, but I'm not going to go up because I'm not 100% sure." Plus, he's got his headphones on, so I don't want to disturb him. But I was like, "I think it's Rob Shearman." Yeah. Anyway, don't know. In between me buying a copy of Inferno uh, from the market stall for like a fiver. It was an old Target copy. Um, I looked up and they were having a good old natter with him and it was Rob Shearman. So um, so we had a really nice chat with Rob, um, probably for about an hour because we were supposed to be at the restaurant at six o'clock and at five to six we were still chatting to him. But I wasn't about to say, Sorry, Rob, can you stop talking because we've got a table booked and we've got, you know, so we had a good old chat with him and um, we were chatting about all sorts. Um, Dalek, obviously, with the story he wrote, um, you know, saying about it started off as Jubilee and then Russ lasted to come back. And I said to him, was it true that the BBC had trouble getting the rights to Daleks or was that a bit of a publicity thing back in when the, the series was being relaunched and apparently knows he said no i swear to you is absolutely true he said right up to the last minute really he he wanted to write the dalek story but rustler told him you better have a backup monster ready because i don't think we're going to get the rights to the daleks and he said he was just you know so sort of but i want to do the dalek you it's you know doctor who's coming back we've got to have the daleks um and obviously as we all know they the, the terry nation state did eventually give them the rights um but yeah so it's interesting to hear that because i've always wondered that i always thought because it was the sun newspaper that reported it i've never taken it as um true <laughs> i just thought it was a publicity thing you know um so yeah it's a good on that of him we spoke about the new series and his thoughts on that and um and he was just off to do a podcast actually and i so i sort of said to him well if you want to join come on our podcast at any point he's like yeah 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 but probably never see him again but he's <laughs> such a lovely fella rob such a lovely fella. Um, really genuinely nice to, to chat with him. Uh, we, we could have chatted all, all day, to be honest. It was literally because we were rushing to get to the restaurant. We kind of had to cut him off. But we were there for a good hour, I'd say. 
just nattering about everything you can think of to do with Doctor <laughs> Who. And it was just talking with like a fan as well, you know. Mm. Um, I think he's good friends with the moth because he was, he, whenever I've, I've met Rob a couple of times at various things, and we, all, we often end up talking about Stephen Moffat. Um, and he was saying that, you know, the Moffat had so much passion for the show. He said no matter what people might think of Stephen or some of his stories, he said Stephen's like his biggest critic anyway. He said he really sort of at the time was beating himself up about certain stories, you know, during his tenure. You know, he said at the time he'd be phoning him up and saying, oh, this is not working. What can I do? And he said, but one thing about Stephen is he absolutely loves Doctor Who. You know, his passion for it is, is just unquestionable. Um, and I, I, I do believe that. I think that's, I think that comes through. I think even when, when the mothball was perhaps <laughs> struggling for ideas and things like that, I think he always did try. Um, so yeah, it's just nice to hear Rob sort of talking quite affectionately about Stephen like that. Cause yeah, that's cool. I, as you know, yeah. I like the moth. I, I, I know some of his ears a bit up and down, um, but <laughs> I, there is a lot of great stuff in there as well. I think, uh, sometimes we overlook it a bit. So that was good. Yeah. Good to chat to Rob headed up to Shad. Got plastered. Woke up hangover. <laughs> got plastered. <laughs> yeah. So that's um, just before we sort of crack on with it. The only other thing I've done really is I have been trying to find these new blimmin' B&M sets. Oh, I bet you're glad you're not a figure collector. Not for Doctor Who anyway. Oh, yeah. what a nightmare. I just want the TARDIS. <laughs> so on my, on my birthday on Sunday, I said um, we were going to my parents. I said, could we just detour to B&M. I've seen people posting pictures. My curiosity just needs to know if they've got any. So we did. And they had a couple of the figure sets. So I've got the, the Romana set, unit set. What's the other set? On the, the FAM set. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a couple of those sets. But no TARDIS yet. Still on the hunt for TARDIS. So. Yeah. And we were late for dinner. Mum was like, where have you been? <laughs> it's like looking for Doctor Who figures, Mum. Where of else course, would I be? Of course, where else would I be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's my birthday. I'll do what I want. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's been pretty much me. But cracking weekend, wasn't it? But absolutely cracking it was little great. meet up in London. Yeah, it was great, dude. It was great yeah. to um to meet up. It was much like seeing your seeing your face on Skype. Yeah. And good to see the Who Addicts and chat, you know, because we get to know their views on you know, through their YouTube channel, but there's something you can let loose a little bit. I think sometimes you, you can give your opinion on stuff, but you're also trying to be diplomatic, you know, in a video or podcast like we do when we review something, we try and find the good and the bad in both, you know, we try and give a balance. Whereas when you meet up, (laughs) you can just really let it flow. And I think we were, weren't we? We were just having a really good old natter about just about everything. I don't want to mention it, but I'm going to do the time war, not the time war, timeless child. Mm -hmm. brought up quite a bit well, a, we did talk about the time war as well yeah yeah we did yeah that's what i mean but it was all free flow same with rob shearman you could just tell he was just letting it all out and he had a good old natter you know <laughs> yeah there was a couple of conversations i had with matt and uh our mate will as well that was there oh yeah really nice guy will. Yeah, yeah we were um yeah i can't repeat some of those things on the on the podcast but we're having a good old uh, uh we, we're loving some things that we haven't spoken about in ages to do with the show, but then we were ranting about some other things and <laughs> yeah, can't really repeat that now, but um, yeah, it was if great you... just for that very reason, really just to hang out and chat. Obviously we chat to, you know, about plenty of other things, but just to chat around Doctor Who and not have to be, not have to like, worry about someone jumping yeah. on you and yeah, yeah. podcast talk. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you yeah. could be a, like a fly on the wall, 
<laughs> you could have heard it all. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, um, just lastly, before we crack on, um, the story that that um, that uh, Rob wrote for the Equestrian Dalek. Um, we mentioned that there was a <clears throat> a story. It was called Before Jubilee. Um, oh yeah. If you've not listened to the Big Finish story of Jubilee before, it's an oldie. It's an old one. I think it's two thousand and two or something. Uh, that's a really. That's actually a very good story because it's got Brilliant story. Really yeah. good. It's um. It's a Sixth Doctor story, but uh, as we know, um, he's great on Big Finish, yeah. um, and he's with uh, um, like a companion that was wrote wrote in for wrote written written for Big Finish, uh, Evelyn. It's a really oh, good. Oh, Evelyn uh, in that one? Yes. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, you're right. I was thinking it was um, Charlie Pollard. No, it's Charlie an Evelyn. Pollard. No, it's Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, so all of that cool stuff that we saw in Dalek. Uh, this is um, like a lot of those sort of early thoughts that he had for that story, but just reworked into a slightly different um, uh, story around the Daleks and the, the great Dalek war of 19 something, 1903, I think it was. So yeah, it's um, if you've not listened to that yet, I imagine, I don't think you can get the disc of this anymore because it's that old at Big Finish, but you can certainly get the download. It's probably only about three, four pounds or something from Big Finish, but yeah, so it's a cool little listen that. I've not listened to it in ages, but it's pretty good. I must admit, I haven't listened to that in a long time, but God, I remember loving it when I did listen to it back, um, that's probably back when it came out, actually. But yeah, I think that, because it's one of the early range, a lot of the early big finish are only like two ninety nine or four ninety nine, I think, something like that, two ninety nine probably. Because um, I'd forgotten that Rob, Rob threw into the chat that he wrote Chimes of Midnight as well. Mm-hmm. And it sounds awful, but I always forget that he wrote that. Because <laughs> if you say to Rob Sherman, I, I instantly think of Dalek and Jubilee, but Chimes of Midnight is uh, another absolute cracking story, isn't it? One, one of, of one of my favourite McGann yeah. ones. That. That's a great story. Yeah, it's only two ninety nine download. Well, well worth it. Yeah. Oh, if you've got an hour or so to spare, three quid. That is, uh, yeah, worth every penny, that one, I tell you. Indeedy. Uh, right, okay, before we uh, crack on, uh, remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on there somewhere. Uh, or head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to go off to the various podcast apps and stuff. And if you've got a minute to leave a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Come and uh, chat and waffle about Doctor Who uh, throughout the week in between shows. There's a free Discord server, links on the website. And uh, yeah, come and come and chat and hang out and throughout the week. I have Discord open while I'm working, so it's cool to just nip in there uh, every now and then and chat with Who fans and stuff. It's very cool. Uh, right, we've got some news. Uh, actually, no, we have not got any news. I was going to say we've got news on merch to get through, but it's very quiet as expected on the news front. We have got merch though, so let's see what's going on with old grumpy pants we haven't seen in a little while. I haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. No. Match corner, match corner, match corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty, it's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> someone's not happy because he wasn't invited that's exactly it mate I've, I've told him we've only allowed eight people in our bubble I've told him he's still got the um, 
And he's not happy, mate. Oh. I didn't even get a little any like any noise at all. Like normally, I get a little like <laughs> as he walks off. He's like, "Yeah, you can have that as well." Nothing. No, nothing at all. Come back. No, nothing. He's gone. Let him leave him be. Leave him be. He's in one of his moods. He'll come out of it in a couple of years, I suppose. Uh, but he has dropped a couple of things to go through. The first one is uh, a bunch of free big finish. Uh, a bunch of free uh, Doctor Ooh. Who stories. So I think a little while ago, they did... Um, uh, it was, I think it was shortly after lockdown started. They made a bunch of stuff free um, for download. And I think that was really well received. It must have done fairly well in terms of sales because I think a bunch of people must have listened to some freebies and thought actually yeah I want to keep listening so they've they've bought some some stuff on there which is very cool so um they're going to do that again and I think from when was this story uh yesterday so Monday the 27th they announced that um they were going to start doing a new series of weekly freebies and discounts which is really really cool and um uh I think it's, is it just Doctor Who? So, um, no, it's not. So since lockdown, uh, so going back a couple of months, when they've done those those other freebie events, they've given away um, some of their other IPs that they make uh, stories for. So we've got the Dorian Gray series, Sherlock Holmes, Blake Seven, Blake. Hey, Blake. Uh, and obviously uh, Doctor Who. So now what they're going to do is they're going to do... Um, they're going to start something up called the Weekly Freebies, and they've set up a new page for that, the Weekly Deals page. And uh, you need to register for a Big Finish account, which is free. Don't worry, you don't have to pay for that. And then um, you can download, you can either get these things through the website, or you can download the Big Finish app, which is also free to download um, and, and listen to stuff on. So each download uh, will be available for an entire week. And it comes with a special discounted offer on the related titles. And um, uh, and they'll be available as either um, downloads or I imagine there'll be a discount for the for the CD and stuff like that. So this week, the freebies are the one of the stories from the Jago and Lightfoot box. So this is Mind Games. And this is very, very... Um, we were talking about this a while ago uh, in the Discord, actually. Um, last week, somebody asked, has anyone listened to Jago and Lightfoot? Are they any good? So now this is a perfect opportunity to dive in and have a little teaser as a freebie. Um, so we'll put a link in the in the show notes to this and um, you'll be able to to check it out. So uh, a little bit of blurb about uh, about the, the story mind game. So it's a complete full cast adventure. Uh, in the first The Worlds of Doctor Who series uh, anthology, um, which they started back in 2014. Uh, it stars Christopher Benjamin and the late, great Trevor Baxter, uh, recreating the Infernal Investigators double act that they first established in the TV story, The Talons of Wang Chiang. So in this story, they're joined by Lisa Bowerman uh, as the popular character um, Ellie Higson, uh, a London barmaid with a dark secret. So in Victorian London, Henry Gordon Jago and Professor Lightfoot investigate worrying events on the streets of London, which seem to be linked to the new Regency Theatre's resident act, the mesmerist Mr. Reese. Mr. Rees. 
So there we go. So big finish listings, you get up to 55% off the Worlds of Doctor Who limited edition, which is a five disc CD deluxe slipcover book, or you can get it as a digital download from the weekly deals page. Uh, and these offers run up until the 2nd of August. So like I said, we'll put a link over to this. So normally, um, I mean, that's over half price for a, mm. for what sounds like a very decent story. So yeah. uh, we'll link to this. Um, but it might be worthwhile just bookmarking that page for weekly deals. And then just once a week, just pop back, give it a refresh. And, the, and you'll see a new freebie on there to listen to. So this is a great idea, dude. Very, very well, cool, isn't it? I was just going to say, it's a great idea, isn't it? I, I, they did something similar once before, uh, ages ago. But yeah, this is such a good idea because um, there are still, even now, people will say to me, oh, I haven't really, you know, I always hear about Big Fish. I haven't really dipped into it. Is, are they any good? And that sort of thing. And I think if you can download something for free and just hear the quality of them, it, it's bound to get people um, into them that maybe haven't done so far. Um, and the Jago and Lightfoot series, so I've got this one as part of the set, but... I've always wanted to go back and get um, the actual box sets that did those because they are so highly regarded. Like apparently they're the, some of the best stuff that Big Finish has ever done. Um, and I've, I've only got the first two um, just because of Big Finish's output is so huge. Um, but they are meant to be brilliant, the Jaguar and Lightfoot stuff. And um, yeah, it's one of those series that I've really been meaning to catch up on. So, But this is brilliant. I, I, love, I just think this is a great idea. I'm sure I'll be getting some of the freebies just to try new stuff that perhaps I haven't tried before. Yes, it's very cool. And this is a full, like I said earlier, it's a full cast, um, four episode drama. It's uh, Colin Baker, Louise Jameson, Lala Ward, uh, obviously Christopher Benjamin and Trevor Baxter. Uh, it's got Daphne Ashbrook in there. Yeah. Well, Daphne, playing a Daphne. different character. She's not playing. Um, That's not allowed. Never giving her, them the rights. No. What's her chops? What's her Grace. chops? Grace. Yeah. Grace. Yep, Lisa yeah. Bowman, as we said. Richard Franklin's in there. Jamie Glover. Yeah, Roy Keenan. Uh, uh, Yiji So's in there. Crikey. Mm. Heck of a cast. Yeah, so anyway, great idea. We'll link to it. Go and check it out if you've not listened to any Jago uh, and Lightfoot or if you've just not listened to any Big Finish before. This might just tip you over and be like, actually, yeah, this is awesome. So there we go. Free, free Big Finish every week for the foreseeable future. Can't go wrong when it's free. free. Right. Um, Regenerations is a new charity book. That's, it's a charity anthology that's um, coming out, which centers around the war doctor. And um, I must admit, uh, just harking back to Big Finish, they did some great stuff with um, John Hurt before he sadly passed away as a war doctor. So it's nice to see him getting uh, another outing. I think he, he does get slightly overlooked now, I feel. Do, do you? I, I, this is a terrible thing to admit, but... I quite often forget about the War Doctor until I see something like this. I sort of, because he was only in such a short sort of time. Mm -hmm. So this is, um, this is all for charity. This is um, money raising. This is going for invest in ME. It's a non-profit unofficial charity anthology. uh, So no copyright infringement is intended. And the blurb says the time Lord formerly known as the doctor has been fighting the time war for as long as he can recall. His previous lies, all those triumphs and tragedies, have been boxed up and filed away. Too painful to revisit. That is, until something or someone begins tugging at the thread of the Doctor's past. As familiar stories twist and shift, threatening and stability of the universe itself, 
the reluctant warrior finds himself with only one option. He has to save the Doctor. So great little blurb. Sounds really, really cool. Um, obviously, as I said, all for charity this. Uh, Gary will put a link in the show notes. Do we, you know the price, my friend? Because I can't see what it is on here. I do, mate. Yeah, it's £10.99. Yep. £10.99. Yep. No, no, no. It looks like a cool book, actually. It looks like a fairly decent uh, size as well for the money. Um, I think it's. It doesn't say how many stories at the moment. It just says it's. Um, it's yeah. So yeah, a, a collection of tales and stories and so on. Uh, and it's um, at the moment it's up for pre-order. It's not out until Monday the third of August, so not too long to wait. But um, yeah, it's over on uh, Chin Beard Books. It's a very very cool name. I have not heard of these guys yeah, before. Yeah, I like that, yeah. Um, but they do make a point that um, all the people that were involved, so the cover artists and all the people that have wrote stories, uh, nobody has asked for a fee. It's all it's all been done for free. And uh, and yeah, all of the profit will go towards the um, Invest in ME. So yeah, very, very cool, sounds like. Yeah, so it's a limited, I guess it's a sort of print, to, it's a limited print run of it, isn't it? So. It's a limited run, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it looks nice. It does indeedy. Yeah. I do like the cover, actually. It's got like a comic booky kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, when you see, so when we go to the merchandise site, it's got a very flat, just, it just shows you the flat cover. If you click on the link and actually see it as the book, um, that does look quite nice, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. It looks yeah. better than what's on the merch page. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, just lastly, one thing to point out, this is not an official Doctor Who book. This is completely unofficial. They do make a point to say that the um, uh, it's non-profit, unofficial charity book, and uh, no copyright infringement is in, intended or anything. So they obviously it's a character from Doctor Who, but it's not labelled and badged as Doctor Who. So just bear that in mind. It's a it's a it's a third party um thing, but it does look very very cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, just a couple of bits of merch then, and no news as we said. Um, right, dude. I think it's time to uh, to pick up with our key to time series. What are we doing this week? Let's do a bit of druid worshipping, my friends. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> on to the third part of the key to time season. And this one's called The Stones of Blood. There are times when the forces within the universe upset the cosmic balance so badly that the entire universe is in danger of eternal chaos. Have I got a treat in store for you, Romana? Kellyan demands blood. So where, where is she? Why isn't she here? She will come. No, no! Prepare yourself to die, Doctor. Goodbye. These trailers are so, they're so good. <laughs> uh, it's the same dude as well. I can never pronounce the name, so I'll leave that. But uh, anyone that's interested, let me know. I'll forward you a link to his channel. But uh, Right, The Stones of Blood was first broadcast back in October to November in 1978. It's a four-parter. It was written by David Fisher, directed by Daryl Blake. It, uh, <laughs> it stars... Uh, 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 Tom Baker, Mary Tam and John Leeson uh, as the same team that we've seen in the last couple of stories and a relatively small 
um, supporting cast for this one. And uh, the story is, yes, searching for the third segment now for the key to time that brings the Doctor and Romana to present day Earth, uh, where they get involved in some druid rituals and so on. And uh, and uh, some, you know, being chased by stones. <laughs> yeah, glow in the dark, glow up stones and some crazy dudes. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, well. <laughs> The Stones of Blood, dude. What do you reckon to this one? Uh, well, I actually really enjoyed this one. Um, this, I think when you say key to time season to me, I do get a bit like, mm-hmm. this is one. Of the, I think this is the sort of story that sticks in my head is the one that I like out of that season. Um, so it's, it was interesting to go back to. I haven't watched, I haven't watched this whole season for so long that it's been interesting reviewing it so far, actually. I've enjoyed it more than I thought so far uh but this one i think is is probably my favorite so far out of the three um it's just got that more horror it it reminds me slightly i think this could have fitted in quite nicely a couple of seasons back it's a slightly more gothic slightly darker slightly hammer horror-ish type episode or two whereas the first two stories of kids time they they've had a different feel to them they've had that you can tell there's a sort of different producer you can tell there's a different style. They've been quite comedic, almost play-like. This has gone back to sort of um, the eeriness style of, of Dot 2, which I like. So, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Um, the one thing I remembered about it from watching it before was that I always remember that it kind of it feels a bit underwhelming, the, the second half. Um, the conclusion to it is a little weak, and I, I still felt that watching it last night, like I was really enjoying it the first couple of episodes and then they get on board the spaceship at the end of of all the sort of ritual stuff and the rock stuff and all that kind of gets dropped instead of a sort of pretty run-of-the-mill sort of Doctor Who spaceship set. So it's a shame, really. I think if they'd done it for sort of one episode, it kind of mixes it up enough to be interesting. But I found episode four the weakest and that's normally the best because it's normally the one where everything's being tied up and you know the the pacing normally picks up in the last episode and then you get the sort of you know everything just gets wrapped up nicely but in this it did feel quite underwhelming so it's a shame really because i think i think this story rattles along really nicely um really it just kind of fizzles out a bit at the end it's uh to me it's close to being a great story but then just loses it a bit but having said that I, I i really enjoyed this one i think it's my favorite of the key to time so far and i yeah i don't know it's so long since i watched the season i can't remember if it's the best of the season or not but yeah but i like the fact that it was a bit darker this one in tone a bit darker in tone um production is better than i remembered i i thought in my mind's memory i thought the rocks looked ridiculous i remember thinking they looked dreadful but watching it last night although they are it's quite comedic being chased by a giant rock they're shot in a way that it's not it's not as bad as i remembered it if you know what i mean i actually thought in some scenes it looked quite good this glowing rock in the doorway and when it smashes through and reminded me a little bit of day of the triffids um (laughs) in a way had that sort of 70s sort of it's naff but it still kind of works type thing um, so yeah, the production side of it was better than I remembered uh, for a lot of it. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a thumbs up. I like I like this one. It's good. 
Hmm. What about yourself? Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if this is a thumbs up or a thumbs down, buddy. Ooh. Kind of Ooh. got splinters on my bum at the minute. I'm sitting oh, really? on the fence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's I thought some, you'd like this one. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. There's There's something about it that is very cool. And I think you you alluded to it where it is a bit of a darker story than what we've seen so far in the key to time. And it does suit that kind of hammer-esque kind of Robert Holmesy um, yeah. feel, you know, it does have that feel to it. Uh, it's got like a brain of Morbius kind of feel going on. Um, but there's also something about it that just makes it kind of boring for me mm. to a large degree. Um, so it's weird. I kind of flip between the two. Like one half of me is like, actually, because uh, I watched this last night on BritBox. It was really cool. Just so like bosh, 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 like four episodes together. It was kind of cool. So it does have that. Um, what's the word? It does have that nice kind of rolling storyline through it. There, are, there isn't much in the way of padding, really. There is a little bit of padding when the doctor's up on the prison ship. Yeah, that's when I started to feel like, and that that should be the point of the story when it's really picking up, I think. But actually, it seems to slow down, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a it, it, there's a little bit of padding around that bit, but for the most yeah. part, uh, I mean, it, it absolutely couldn't be a six part. That would have been dreadful. But for the most no. part, the four parts they kind of they kind of flow through okay. Um, but it never seems to get going too much. If what I think is what I'm trying to say, there isn't one bit where. I mean, the cliffhangers aren't great for a start. Um, a literal cliffhanger as yeah, well, wasn't it, the first yeah. one? <laughs> um, and, yeah, it kind of... It, it's weird because with some... The, the way that some classic stories have told their narrative across four or even six parts is that sometimes you expect it to ramp up over, say, those four parts, and then as you get into the finale, the last part, it really ramps up and you have, like, a decent ending and stuff. Whereas... What I found with this one is each of the four parts, you have like a bit of a ramp up and then it sort of cruises down. And then as you get towards the end and that's it. And then you start the next episode that starts to ramp up a bit and then it cools down. You have this kind of up and downy uh, flow to the story throughout the four parts. There isn't that kind of really big build up throughout the four parts. And you think, right, there's going to be a massive showdown in part four or anything like that. It just sort of, you know, sort of ebbs along and yeah. So I think that's what it is about it. It doesn't have a really big kind of big climatic buildup um, and tension that builds up. You kind of have this level of expectation. Like you, Oh, like once something's happening, like, Oh, I expected that. Oh yeah. I saw that come in and stuff. I mean, as an example, um, like when the doctor goes onto the, the prison ship and he breaks the seals and those two little glowing orby <laughs> star things, uh, yeah. Start zipping around what are they called? Uh I've forgotten the uh, oh the Megara. When those Megara. things start sort of zipping around, they're like little justice bot things. Um you absolutely know right from the off from that bit that the doctor's not going to be executed and the the villain who we find out, you know, Vivian Frey, who turns out to be the uh uh what do they call the god in this um uh there's a name it begins with C that crazy dude with the bald head and the mustache says it a couple of times in a very comedic way. 
Cesare or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the Kelly Ath or something like that. Or Oh, yeah, something, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so that character, we all, you know, we all knew that the Doctor wasn't going to be executed. He was going to just sort of waltz out of there completely fine, but she was going to be imprisoned. It was kind of cool seeing seeing how she was imprisoned. That was cool. She gets turned into one of the the stones, the Ogri, <laughs> yeah, uh, which is kind of cool. So I think that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, there's a couple it does of cool get little, stuck in yeah, gear, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of cool little moments here and there, and Tom's very good. And um, yeah, Tom's good. Isn't it? Yeah, the story as a whole, you know, it's it does have that kind of nice dark classic Who feel at times. Um, the thing is, with the spaceship bit, is it? Um, it starts off really good fun, doesn't it? And it's it's quite nice to get after a couple of episodes of being all centered around the stone circle. It's quite nice to get that change of scenery. And, and then Tom putting on like the judge's hat, the wig or whatever. What do you call those things? Judges wear the judge's wig, the wig, yeah, whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. That's all really good fun, but it just goes on too long. Like you said, the sort of courtroom scenes where it really goes round in circles. And like you said, you know, the doctor's not going to get executed. And it just goes on. It's, it's like a, ju- it's like a funny joke that they just stretched out a bit too much i think because i was yeah. getting at first i thought it was really good but i just was getting a bit tired of it by sort of the end of episode four i was like come on get off this get out of this court situation this is just not you know that you've you've taken this too far now um but it's a shame because it is quite fun when it starts you know tom tom seems to be i mean it, it's just so brilliant it's so typical of tom to pull that that wig out of his pocket like the doctor would have a judge's wig in his pocket and Stuff like that is just so typical Tom, and I love that about his doctor. But mm. yeah, but I but I, I love the you, you're right. It kind of gets stuck in gear, but I, I did I sort of liked the build up. It just unfortunately just doesn't have the the payoff to make it a classic. But I love all the stuff with the stones, and I like the fact that Vivian Faye is. I mean, she's they don't even try and sort of hide the fact she's the villain. They use <laughs> as soon as she's on screen, she's just playing it like the mysterious villain. So I kind of like that in a way, rather than doing like a big reveal of, oh, it was her. You kind of think, well, clearly she's a bit of a wrong one. <laughs> a wrong one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. I quite liked all that. And I like the location stuff. I think the, where is it? Um, Roll Wright Stones, is it? Uh, where they filmed it? No, it was, um, oh, it could have been. Yeah, I think it's meant to be Boscombe Moor. It's supposed to be Cornwall, isn't it? But it's um, supposed to be. I think yeah. it's the Roll Wright Stones in near Oxford. I think. Yes, it is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Because yeah. um, I know that um, I've always wanted to visit it because it, it looks like a mini Stonehenge, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think the use of that location's good. It it feels like something you think they would have done in Doctor Who before, doesn't it? So it's quite quite nice. Um, and I like all that. Like all the sort of ritual stuff that's going on. It reminds me a little bit of of um what's that story from the other anyway i like all that stuff <laughs> like all the not voodoo but i like all that sort of chanting and stuff it's quite mm-hmm. gothic well do you know what dude that was one of the things that i wanted to see more of yeah that's what i mean i think yeah. they could have utilized that more yeah yeah because if you read the description of the story not just the one line synopsis but if you read about it where it, it always mentions like the druids and the druidic rituals and all that stuff uh, it's in a way, it's kind of got like a Damon's feel to it as well, a bit, yeah. like kind of culty, old English countryside wackos <laughs> out in the country sort of thing. <laughs> uh, it does have that feel to it, and but you just don't really see much of it. So they, 
you see them um, quite early on in episode one, but then they get disturbed by um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what Rumford? Rumford and and yeah, uh, and the Doctor turning up and so on. And then we see them obviously a bit later where that crazy guy. I think his name's Devries. Yeah, he uh, he goes absolutely ballistic and then gets himself <laughs> killed and stuff. But they're only like these little isolated pockets. You don't really see that kind of. It would have been great to have that kind of um, like Wicker Man kind of feel to it, where it's like you're a, almost expecting it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. like um, like a burning um, sacrifice. Sac- yeah, all that stuff. So it would have been great to have a bit more of a creepier vibe around the whole ritual stuff and the druids and stuff. Um, but you mentioned you mentioned the cliffhangers as well there being a bit weak and the, the the first one in particular is odd because Romana's clearly seeing the doctor as a mirage or whatever which pushes her off the cliff but um at first I thought it was just really badly directed I was like well that even though you can just about make out what's supposed to be going on because she's talking as if the doctor's there even though we don't see him um, it didn't work at all. I was thinking, what, what's meant to be happening here? She's hearing the doctor's voice. She's acting as if he's in front of her, but there's nothing there. Um, so I thought at first it was badly directed until I watched the making of, and it kind of made more sense because Tom, Tom was supposed to be there, uh, you know, to push her off the cliff, but he didn't want to, he didn't want to do that. He said, he said the doctor shouldn't be seen to do it. So they were going to do him as like a sort of hologram of the doctor or whatever, but he wouldn't do it. So he said, no, they, they come to a compromise. He said, I'll do the voice so, so that you know that it's supposed to be the doctor, but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort of appear in front of her like I'm supposed to. And I think it does suffer a bit from that. Cause I, I don't think it's very clear what's happening in that first cliffhanger. She's sort of talking to thin air and you can hear the doctor's voice, but I think it would have been better if, um, you'd have seen the mirage of the doctor like we were supposed to. It would have made more sense, I think. Mm. And it would have been quite a creepy, I I sort of get why Tom didn't want to do it because he didn't want younger viewers to see the doctor sort of pushing her off the cliff, I suppose. Even if it was made clear, it wasn't really the doctor. He just didn't want that to be on screen. So I guess you could see why he he sort of objected to it, but I don't know. I think they they should have found a better way to do it. I think, because I don't think that cliffhanger really works at all. Yeah, no, she I just agree. kind of just falls just... back off a cliff, did she? From hearing the doctor's voice, it's strange. Yeah, yeah, she just tumbles back, and you just see her. And there's no reprise either, which is quite unusual. So in the next episode, it just carries straight on. There's no mm. sort of reprise of the of that at all. And that, I don't know if that's the reason why they just start with her hanging from the cliff, don't they? Yeah, that's weird. Mm. Yeah, the, the cliff... strange. But I can't remember the other cliffhangers, to be honest. No, that's what I was going to say. It's not. It's not a story known for its cliffhangers, just because no, they're not that great, really. But only watched it yesterday as well. Mm. Yeah. Um. Okay, so in terms of story and narrative, you know, it, it rolls along fairly, fairly okay. There's no huge payoff to any of the build-ups or anything. Um, what did you think to the production? Because in some classic Who, they all sort of isolate it to studio or they throw in a bit of location. But in this one, um, all of the location stuff was all done on uh, videotape rather than film, like studio yeah. tape. But what do you yeah. think to that? Because there was a couple of... T- I understand why they did that, because some of the... Um, I'm not, well, 
I'm not going to say criticism, but some of the things that were noted around Doctor Who is there was a night and day difference between within one story going from a set to a location. It was quite jarring, you know, because for obvious mm. reasons, it's all lit very differently and more controlled and stuff. So I think they they wanted to do that for consistency. So it does it does work fairly well. There isn't that huge jarring difference between location because it's done on videotape. But as a result, because a lot of it's done at night, you get that very low contrast look about it. It's like quite difficult yeah. to make out some of the characters in those night shots. So what do you reckon to the the pros and cons of that then? I didn't I didn't mind it, but I don't know. It would have been cool just to done it. it to have been on film. On film. So I did think yeah. there were seen times when the location looked a bit. I don't know if they've put a sort of um, haze over the lens or something. It looked a bit smeary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, you, you could tell the difference. I, I, I don't really have a problem with. I know it's quite obvious when we watch it from today's standards. When you jump from film to studio, it's not something that really bothers me because I, I love seeing stuff on film, especially location. It just has a a sort of glossier crispness to it. Like, um, I always think it's the same with um, Talons of Wing Chang. They didn't film any of the theatre stuff on film. So a lot of that stuff that's actually location looks set to me um, because it's not on film, which is, like you said, has its pluses because it blends in when when it moves from that to a set. So it kind of blends better. But it, I, I just always think it looks nicer when stuff's shot on film. Um, and there's a kind of, uh, I, I think there's a kind of charm to that because it's of it's of the time, isn't it? They used to do that a lot on television that yeah. outside stuff would be filmed and it would just have a different look. And you, I'm just used to it, I guess. Whereas I don't know if perhaps maybe a modern audience would find it jarring. And, and whereas this, they would just say, well, it lo- all looks the same. So I don't know. But I, I wish it had been on film personally because I I think it's an interesting location. I think it looks. You know, it looks odd, and it would have been nice to see it on film. Yeah, it was. It was probably too expensive to do, but they could have switched. They could have done everything on film, <laughs> even the set stuff as well. That would have been nice. But yeah, yeah, and I thought the sets were good. As I said, the whole production was better than I remember. the The rocks looked fairly decent for the time. It's, I mean, it's quite laughable having a this when that rocks running. You know, chasing. Romano, you could just imagine the effects guys on the floor pulling it on a rope towards her. So it looks quite comical, but um, but it didn't look as sort of awful as my mind had remembered it. If mm. you like, yeah, it yeah. Didn't look, like when they're in the doorway and they're just pulsating and glowing. I thought, well, you know, they they actually they don't look that bad at all, actually, considering. Yeah, it's so. it's more about how they move for me. That yeah, was the, yeah. the thing. It was um. The same with K9 when he has to oh, shoot God. a prop through the field. And yeah. I was, it's quite funny, actually, because I just imagined, again, you just know that there's an effects guy, you know, pulling a rope as fast as he can to get that thing to move because there's no way that K9 could move that fast across um, a field like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. There was, yeah, there's one bit where the doctor's like, right, come on in, you know, and they start running. He starts legging off yeah. down the path and poor little K9, he's just hobbling you know wobbling around the corner and then it's you can tell that's like maximum speed you know i i thought canine would, might have been sidelined in this because they're right at the start they tell him to stay behind and i thought oh that's canine out of the story then for the rest of the episode but actually um he does get brought into it before being 
quite badly attacked, doesn't he? So he, mm-hmm. he does actually get to be, uh, he does get a bit of the action in this. But I, I was thinking as I'd written him out at the start of the episode, I thought, oh, well, that's that's him gone. Um, but he gets um, almost destroyed, doesn't he? There's quite a sad stroke comical scene where the doctor's chatting to Romana as canines upside down with all his wires hanging out. And he's like, oh, there's still life in the old tin dog yet. And but he's sort of pulling a face at Romana to say, I think he's done for. And, you know, that's quite a, a nice little scene. Mm. Yeah, that is. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, canine, isn't it? For the whole key to time thing, because I don't know, like initially you think, well, sometimes in Tom's era, like canine was written to be this kind of, I don't know, this kind of sidekicky um, annoyance at times for the doctor. and But in this one, it's uh, they don't seem to play up too much for that. Like in some of the uh, the older stories with Tom and K9, Tom's really kind of, uh, I don't know, just like really snappy at K9. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, like kind of just has no patience for him at all and just very sort of snappy with him. Whereas in this one, they've they've written the relationship to be really sort of lovey. Like there's a bit in Excellent. this. Yeah, there's a bit in this where K9's been busted up. And they they run in there, and Tom's giving him mouth to mouth, like Tom's Tom's blowing but, air into his his thing. I'm mm. thinking, what are you doing? And then, you know, he's stroking him all the time, and he's like, it's just it's interesting how they've moved that relationship from canine being literally like a yappy little annoyance that the doctor just hasn't got any time for, even though he saved the day a few times, the doctor yeah. just hasn't got any time for him. Like, shut up, canine. And there is a couple of little bits like that, but for the most part, it's like a very much uh, man's best friend uh, thing going on. Yeah, I guess I think Tom's um, Tom's in good form in this one, and I, I like like you said the stuff between him and Canine. There's a nice story that they tell on the making of about um, Tom being at the location, uh, the Rollwright Stones, um, you know, in between takes. And Tom's clearly in, seems to be in a better place at this point. I think we've been, we've said that, uh, you know, in terms of um, from where he was in the last season. But there's a nice story where he sat waiting between takes, and John Leeson sat in a van, like <laughs> quite okay. far away. But he's still providing the voice of K9. So Tom was sat next to the prop, and there was all these people watching the filming, including a load of kids. And apparently, Tom and K9 were doing the crossword together because John Leeson was still t- able to do the voice. So that was, he said, you know, it's quite funny. Anyone watching would just be seeing Tom Baker doing the Times crossword with K9 giving him the answers, which I, I can just see him doing that and just loving, you know, the entertaining people. Well, in between takes, I can imagine Tom doing that. So it's awesome. nice to see that yeah. Tom seems to be in a bit of a better place at this point. Mm. Yeah. Having said that, <laughs> have you seen, <laughs> having said that, there's a there's a little interview extra on this um, DVD uh, with Frank Boff, and it's one of the strangest Tom Baker interviews I've ever seen. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it, but if you haven't, mm-hmm. I recommend it. So Frank Boff starts by introducing Tom, who, when he's on camera, just seems... I've never seen him so wild-eyed. I don't know, if, I don't know what he was... I wouldn't say on, but I don't know. There's just something about Tom that's not quite right. He just looks absolutely wide-eyed and wild. <laughs> and then it cuts to Caroline Ford does a sort of little chat 
and then he turns to Tom, who sat next to um, Mary Tam. And they have a little interview, but Tom seems almost borderline angry about something. He seems to have a bit of a problem with Frank Boff. And it's, um, I don't know, there's just sort of a, a slight sort of something in the air. And I, I can't really explain it, but if anyone gets a chance to watch the interview, it's the bizarrest Tom Baker interview I've seen. He just, he seems, I don't know, not even angry. I can't really explain it. He just doesn't seem right. Like he's quite argumentative with Frank. So Frank says, yeah. well, you know, you're the doctor all the time, aren't you? And he's like, well, I'm not, I'm no more the doctor all the time than you're Frank Boff all the time. It <laughs> just seems straight away, he just seems very antagonistic uh, in that interview. It's strange, but it's worth watching just for the very first shot of Tom. I, d- I just don't know what he was, he just looks crackers at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> isn't it? I think that, that was from a, a programme donkeys years ago called Nationwide. Nationwide, Nationwide yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a really yeah. good little watch, actually. It's um, you can, I think he's just Caroline having a F- crappy day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's having a bad day. I mean, Caroline Ford doesn't look very impressed by him. I've got to say, there's a couple of shots when they Tom's sort of going off on one, and they sort of cut to her, and she's just looking at him as if like, what? Yeah. She 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 doesn't look too impressed. Whereas poor old Mary Tam seems to be trying to laugh it off, like. When Tom's getting cross, he's like, <laughs> "Yes, you can see it's just very awkward, very awkward indeed." Yeah, I must admit the um the special features are a little bit hit and miss on this for me. There's um yeah there's a little documentary where Mary Tam goes to Roll Right Stones. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that. Yeah, where, where she goes to see some quote unquote experts about the ancient circle and the stones and everything. And Jesus, mate, like two minutes in, I'm like snores. It was a bit, wasn't it? Yeah, I must have, because I, I put it on, because as I said, I've always wanted to go to this location. I thought, oh, I love it when they do location extras. And even I was a bit like, Pfft. I think I, I lasted about five minutes. I switched it <laughs> off. <laughs> but yeah, what's the, the making of is pretty good. Um, Mary Tam always comes across so well in, in these little interviews. I, yeah, it's great that they managed to get her on, on the extras. She yeah. just comes across as so nice and so strong as a personality, doesn't she? I can imagine she could hold her hold her own pretty good uh, with yeah, Tom. Yeah. It seems like, you know, she didn't stand for any nonsense and I think they got on quite well by the sounds of it. Yeah, um, getting blood from the stones is the... Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool, actually. Yeah, I didn't last time. But the Nationwide clip's worth watching just, just out of um, sheer curiosity. It's bizarre, mm-hmm. bizarre interview. Yep. Well, I don't know why Caroline Ford's on there as well because it's, it's to publicise the key to time. I don't... Yeah, and I they think, show a sort of few Hartnell clips, don't they? And I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm not sure. I think they were um, around this time as well. They were also doing some some publications and documentaries around like influences on Doctor Who and Hammer Horror was one of them. And I think that kind of stretched back to some of the earlier Doctors. So I think she was just there as a name to represent sort of old, old Doctor Who. Actually, I, I like it because Frank manages to offend her as well because he's like, well, you were the doctor's first companion weren't you she she's quite snappy she's like i wasn't a companion i was his granddaughter I was like, oh right so you know so she puts him straight yeah um, you can just tell. Frank, he just yeah. seems to get everything wrong <laughs> can't say anything right as i was gonna say the producers have just sort of got their face in their hands oh like, yeah come on frank you gotta save this mate because you're just pissing everybody off at the minute well he he, he completely noshes it up because he, <laughs> he ends the interview and then someone must say in his ear, hang on, we haven't finished yet. And he goes, oh, no, we've got something else. <laughs> and it just, it's shambolic. It is a shambles, thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't go out nowadays. It just they would have just looked at it and said, "Well, we can't put that out." No. Although it might have been live, I don't know. No, it wasn't. Well, I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. it was just sort of cobbled together quickly. Very much cobbled together. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what it looks like? It looks like he was on his way to do it and didn't know what it was. And then as he's walking on set, he's like, "Oh, here's Tom Baker. Here's Caroline Ford. Here, here are the questions." And he's like, "Oh, okay." We're doing Doctor Who, are we? I didn't know that. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, it does seem, it, well, cobbled together is, I think, the right word. Yeah, yeah. But um, one thing I did like, go back to Stones of Blood, is I am liking, really liking the relationship between uh, Romana and the Doctor. Mm. It's it's fun pretty much all the way through this, although they do get split up a lot, don't they? Yes. There's, yep. there's quite a large chunk of this when they're not together. Um, but the stuff at the start in the TARDIS is really good fun. I, lo- I just love the fact that he's, his little ego is being a bit dented by the fact that she's cleverer than him. And then at the very end, I love that scene. He's trying to fit the, the key together with her looking over his shoulder. And he's just like, he's side eyeing her, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah, he's like <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, the, the relationship is really good fun between those, these two. I like it a lot. Yeah. It really helps to sort of um, carry the story. If you like, when they're together, they're a good pair in these two. Yeah. And thank God as well that Tom was on board with this with this companionship because <laughs> yeah i tell you what mate if it you know if he was in the same mindset that he was you know a few seasons prior mm-hmm. it would have just been a disaster because the the whole thing around the romana character in this one anyway romana one is there has to be that banter that um yeah kind it's of, good banter yeah that <laughs> kind of to in and throw in where you have the very experienced rogue time lord who doesn't give a flip about the academy and all that stuff versus her, who's very much about the academic side of things and fresh from the Time Lord Academy and all that stuff. So you've got that juxtaposition of those two points of views from both of them. But there has to be that kind of compromise at times and that banter and stuff going on. If you can imagine, you know what Tom was like with... um, Louise. uh, Louise Jameson. Imagine if he was like that with Mary Tam it just wouldn't have worked. It would have just fell on its ass because it needs to have that, especially like scenes at the beginning, at the end of this one, where he's fiddling with the different crystal bits and she just comes along as like, there you go. And he gets the right hump about it and stuff. If he wasn't into it, if he wasn't feeling the chemistry, it would have just been really flat the whole time. And he would have been, Oh God, Tom's not happy again. What's going on? This is rubbish. So, he really yeah. seems to have picked himself up in this season. And I, yeah, I think the chemistry between the two is really good. Um, I, I really like this Romana. Really, yeah. I really like Mary Tan's Romana. Um, and if I sound surprised, it's because a little bit like the War Doctor, I kind of forget about her, uh, which is a dreadful thing to say. I just, you say Romana, I think of Lala Ward. Lala Ward, yep. Um, yep. So, and I, and I think also because I don't, or at least I didn't think I particularly liked the Seas of Time, Keys of Time season. I haven't really sort of gone back and watched it very often. So this, this Romana kind of gets lost uh, a, a lot of the time to me. So it's mm. really nice actually to, to revisit these stories. And I have found a much, you know, much respect for this Romana. They, they work fun together. And when in the re in the second episode, when she is terrified of the doctor for, at the start, she's playing that brilliantly. She actually looks terrified of Tom. Uh, you know, I don't, don't think she actually was, but she's she's a really good um, at playing this part. I think Mary Tam, I really do rate her. Um, 
is a good actress. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm, that's another reason I'm glad we do this podcast because it makes me discover things that perhaps I thought were weren't that good. You know, I'm I'm enjoying it quite. I'm enjoying this ride so far. And you know, with um, Trial of a Time Lord, I've watched that a few times. And I kind of my feelings on that as we went through that season didn't change that much. It has to be said. But key to time so far, I'm seeing it in a slightly different light. And I don't think it's ever going to be one of my favourite seasons, but I'm certainly enjoying it a lot more. And I think a lot of that's down to Tom and, and Mary Tam. I think they're fun fun on screen together, these two. Uh, yeah. And K9, yeah. obviously. Yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. It's um, uh, like you, whenever you mention Romana, I think for a lot of people as well, not everyone, but for a, a large majority of Who fans, you just think of Lala Ward. It's just... Yeah, Just I suppose she thing, was but... there longer and obviously her and Tom had a bit of a thing. Yeah, um, it's funny yeah. because when we get to season 18, Tom does go back down into a bit of a moody, <laughs> the, the, you know, he again, he had you know troubles. It works slightly better, I think. I don't know why, but I, I don't mind Tom in season 18. I think he's quite snappy again. He's got the burgundy costume. He's more subdued, but it's, it's in a different way to what he was with... Um, Leela he just um I don't know he just I think because it's his last season as well it just kind of suits that season whereas in you know the previous seasons with Leela when he's just not really on form you sort of just feel it's more Tom not being on form than because you could sort of accept that Doctor's coming towards the end of his you know regeneration and stuff in in season 18 so it kind of works that he's more moody in that I think mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and it's kind of weird as well so it it must be just the personal stuff because in this short series, the key to time stuff with Romana one, um, it's a shame that she's only in it for this one series really, isn't it? Because yeah, I'm thinking that. Yeah. yeah Cause we have a bit of an overlap, don't we? We have, um, uh, we have Lala Ward who comes back as, who is it? Princess. Initially she Astra. Astra. Yeah. And then we have the whole regeneration thing and stuff like that. And then we're on to Lala Ward and that's it. And then I think from that point on, because of that personal involvement between Tom and Lala that provided a bit of friction now and then and, and all that stuff. It's, um, it does provide a bit of spice, I suppose, but at the same time, one thing I will say about the whole key to time stuff with Mary Tam and Tom, it's very consistent from start to finish mm. right up until the Armageddon factor, those two together, you never really see, well, I don't think you ever see an episode where you think, Oh, Tom's had a bust up with someone today or Tom's, got the hump with her today or anything like that it's just the two of them has just got bants the whole way through it's great actually you just reminded me say that so one of the people that tom really did get on well with in this story was uh professor rumford played by beatrix layman is that you saying that amelia rumford beatrix yes. Le- yeah 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 she's a no, great apparently- character yeah apparently she really lifted tom's spirits because it says um on the making of that tom and Mary, although they were getting on very well, they were getting finding a bit. They were getting a bit bored. They, they, I think, they were a few months into production. You know, the sort of the spark of the scripts had worn off a little bit. So they <laughs> they were getting on very well, but they, in terms of the stories, they were getting. They needed a bit of a lift. You know, like we all do. They just was finding every day was a bit Groundhog Day. I think. And then so Beatrix Layman apparently was just um, her and Tom just got on ever so well, and she put Tom in his place as well, which he loved. It's interesting, isn't it? If you get the right person with Tom, he'll he he will take it. In terms of like she used to say to him, 
but are you going to do it like that? Because that's not <laughs> how you did it before in rehearsals. And he'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry, Beatrix. Because he liked her, he would accept her putting him in his place and, and vice versa. You know, so there was a good good working relationship between those two. And I think it, it does come across on, on screen a little bit. Um, what do you think of the character, though? Because... I think she's really good fun. I mean, is, is it the companion we never had? I don't know, but she's good fun. But the very first scene she's in, she can barely get her blimmin' lines out. And I thought <laughs> she's, she tries to make it part of the character mm-hmm. by pretending she's trying to think of the places. But she struggles a little bit, doesn't she, with some yeah. of the lines? She does str- She Oh, she's a bit like, she's a bit like Hartnell at times. She's, you're just not quite sure if she's going to get the lines out, but she does just. But yeah, she's a fun bless character, her. isn't she? she? I like her. Yeah, that first interaction. Mm. Um, that I'm not sure. Remem- remember, she was knocking on a bit by this point. She was, yeah. um, I think she was 75 or 76 or something. I mean, this was her last on-screen appearance. Oh, so, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so she was she was knocking on a bit by this point. So maybe she was just a bit... You know, trying to get trying to get her head together with the character, I suppose. I mean, she, she was obviously a very experienced actress and stuff, but yeah, you know, when you're up against Tom in the same scene, who's very big character and some other stuff going on, and you're knocking on a bit, you know, maybe it just takes a little bit to get into it. But after that first scene, especially from episode two onwards, she's so cool. She's I love her. I was going to say she is yeah. really good fun. She's a very good character and. Uh, I think one of our our good friends, Ad, uh, he really likes the character. I think he does, doesn't he? Yeah, because when we met up at the weekend, somebody said, "What would who's your favourite sort of companion that wasn't a companion?" Question, <laughs> and I think Ad was like, "Yeah, uh, uh, Amelia Rumford was, uh, and she is a she is a very good." Um, she gets stuck in. I was going to say she's very good at not shying away from those scenes where like you know stuff's going down so the bit where she's guarding the contraption they build and canines with her and the ogre turn up she doesn't run away she sort of stands her ground and and everything well, and, yeah i kind of laughed when ad said that because i was like really professor Rufford? but watching it yesterday i was thinking there are some great scenes like when she builds the that gun thing that she uses to transport them and and uh, she repairs it and She's, she seems to love working with K9 as well. Some nice scenes with K9 where they're working together. And I was thinking, do you know, in a strange way, a bit like Evelyn Smythe from Big Finish, in a strange way, she would have been such an unusual companion if they'd have kept her for a couple of stories. I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't know if she could have, I don't know if it would have diminished the character, but she is fun mm-hmm. as a sort of almost companion in this story. She does get really stuck into it. Uh, apparently the actress... Um, only took the role because she was fascinated by K9. She just wanted to know where we worked. She just <laughs> loved K9 apparently, and that's why she took the took the job. But oh wow, yeah. And also, she got um, got on well with John Leeson. There's um, John Leeson was on set taking some photos, and he, he is t- they show one of them. It's black and white. He took an absolutely fantastic picture of Beatrix with like the stone in the background, a real close up of her face, and a bit like. Um, uh, Maggie Smith, who's just, you know, her face is just full of character, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. You know, and it's very similar. If you see this picture that John Leeson took of Beatrix Lehman, it's just just lines and the, it, her whole face tells a story. It's a wonderful photo of her. But yeah, her and John Leeson got on very well. She gave him a really old camera 
uh, as a present, apparently, which is quite nice. That he said he treasured because it was like a real antique type camera that she just gave him because she saw him hmm. taking pictures on set. So I think you get someone like that comes in that sort of gets on well with the cast. You can see why it lifted the spirits a little bit in terms of, like I said, Tom and Mary perhaps seeming a bit flat. And, right, let's move on to the next story then. Oh, what's happening in this one? And you get her come in and she's just, I don't know, brings something to it behind the scenes as well as on screen. I think it, it does show, I think. Hmm. Lifts the yeah. cast a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, she's very cool. And yeah. uh, uh, anyone that's ever been to the Natural Portrait Gallery... Not a very well-known place in London, but there are several portraits of uh, of Beatrix Lemon hanging up there. Is there? Yeah, yeah. She's got a very recognisable face. Well, for, I think they're all from like her younger years when she was quite young as an actress. But Ooh. yeah, uh, yeah. So she's a great character. What did you think to um, Vivian Frey then, played by Susan Engel? I don't know about. I don't know. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to be. Uh, She's a bit, I'm a bit like, you. Yeah, I'm on the fence of her a little bit because she's good in some scenes and she yeah. has got this sort of look about her, which is quite odd and it suits the role, but I don't know. I think she's better as Vivian than she is as when she turns all silvery and <laughs> she goes a bit pantomime in the, in the last sort of episode, doesn't she? A bit pantomime villain, really. She even does have an evil villain laugh at one point. If I remember right, a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. A couple of times. Yeah. She doesn't quite pull it off. Um, I don't think she's bad, but I, I also don't think she steals the show or anything. I don't think she's that great either, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I'm a bit on the fence with her. She's okay, but I don't think she's great. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Yeah. I think mm. like the earlier scenes where she's just Vivian, I think she's she's kind of cool. Yeah. But when she becomes the, I can't remember how they pronounce this, because she's meant to be a god, isn't she? The druids Pretty see much. her as like this big yeah. god of... I think it's God of War and something else. And uh, what's the name? It's the the Kaliach or the Kaliath, something like that. So when she becomes that, she's quite, yeah, pantomime quite theatre production-y, like evil yeah. Bond villain kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's not a, That's not a terrible thing, but she just doesn't quite pull it off, though. That's the thing. Not quite. Uh, she's got a kind of menacing vibe about her, especially when she's up, you know, when they're up on the ship later on and the doctor's on trial and then he drags her into it and she's on trial and stuff like that. There's a couple of cool little interactions with her and Tom up there, but for the most part, she's just a bit like evil witchy cackle. Yeah, it's a little bit like, like Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. She's playing it a bit like that, isn't she? Mm. Um, you've just reminded me as well, actually, we did say the production isn't too bad on this one, but the Magara, the, the twinkly lights thing, that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> I think even Tom yeah. didn't think much of that. Um, I'm not sure. How else could they have done it? Because um, the voices are quite good. It's quite fun, those scenes. But I don't know, the twinkly lights, does it really work? It reminds me a little bit of, um, what's the episode where there's they use tinfoil and then they just superimpose it over? It's like shaking tinfoil. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It just doesn't quite work. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not a big dis- disaster, but in terms of production, it isn't great. No, I mean, the voices were quite good, the two voice actors they got. Yeah, because they're quite funny. Yeah, I was going to say, they're not playing it too seriously. It's quite mm. it's quite comical to it's a degree. It's almost a bit Douglas Adams-y, that. Oh, you dude, imagine. you just, oh, you just yeah, took the yeah. words out of my mouth, yeah. yeah. It does feel very Douglas. Like, um, 
hitchhikers. It's got that kind of vibe yeah. about, about it, those things. Um, yeah, they were okay. It was just, yeah, the effects. I mean, what can you do in 1978 with not a lot of budget? You know, it's... Yeah. They, they look better than the tinfoil monsters. Is it, yeah. Um, yeah. What is that blooming story called? It's the fourth Doctor one. Can you, do you know what I mean? It's just, they're just rattling some tinfoil and, yeah, yeah. and again, having a voiceover. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it... Um, invasion of time i'm thinking of maybe i don't know i'll google okay. it uh, and also um yeah so we spoke about the main cast rum uh amelia rumford so we've got that crazy guy with the mustache he's like the head of the druids he's about to sacrifice the doctor he's got the I sword he'd be in it more or the guy. knife he's got that ready and then yeah yeah he was just crazy he like very intense um which i think was needed for this story i think if he was quite downbeat and sort of underplayed it. It would have, I think he was cool, even though he was a little bit sort of pantomime at times. I think the story just needed a bit of, like a bit of an eccentric, intense character, I think. Yeah, no, he, he wasn't too bad. Like, he's an actor I sort of recognise from other things, but never know his name, if you know what I mean. He, he's, I've seen him in other stuff mm-hmm. around this time. Uh, yeah, but he was, he was good, he was good in that part, I thought. Yeah. Like I said, he brought a little bit of mystery to it and, yeah, as I said, I, I thought he'd be in it more. I thought he was going to be like a main character, but he kind of gets dropped about halfway through, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dudley Simpson. Oh, Doug, well, you know I love Dudley. What do you reckon to the music in this one then? Not many big themes or anything in this one. Just kind of a little bit forgettable, really. I can't really remember the music to it. No, I mean, I like his music. I mm. always love Dudley's music. Um, yeah, there's nothing outstanding in it. It's pretty much run of the mill. You kind of can tell it's Dudley. He's got his style to it. Um, there was one bit where he was doing like a little procession march type music. I'm trying to think what the scene was. Because uh, I think I'd sort of slightly drifted off. I wasn't looking at the screen. I sort of looked up and like, what's going on? It, it was a bit odd. Yeah. Um, I forget. It wasn't the courtroom scene, but it was the doctor was doing something. And it was like... That's when he's walking from... That's when he's built the contraption, I think, and he's off to go and you just see him walking across a field. I think it's that bit. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. It was, I was going to say I was expecting so to be, you know, because it was such a strange piece of music. But mm. yeah, I, I like it. Nothing like you said, nothing outstanding for Doug, Dudley in this one, but yeah, Dudley rather. For um, mm. uh, just to finish up my notes anyway, there was um, I noticed this sound effect a couple of times throughout the story, and I thought that doesn't sound like Doctor Who. Uh, it sounded exactly like the, um, I'm not a Trekkie, so I don't know the phrase, but you know when you beam somebody up? Yeah. Uh, it sounded like that from the original old classic Star Trek. Oh, I, you know, I didn't the, notice it, but I know, I know the exact sound you mean. Yeah. Um, I um, thought, and hmm. when I read, when I did some research on the story, it kind of made sense because, um, uh, the guy that, that was normally doing all this, not the music, but the special sound effects and stuff, a guy called Dick Mills, he was ill, apparently. So um, uh, uh, somebody called Elizabeth Parker, she stepped in and she provided some of the sound effects, which makes total sense because I'd never heard that sound effect before mm. in Doctor Who. Um, it only pops up a couple of times, but it sounds almost exactly like What's the phrase that is like? Tran, it's like, well, where they um, beam up, they beam, beam up, Scotty. Yeah, but, yeah, I can hear it in my head. Yeah. I didn't notice it. I'll, I'll, I'll listen out for it next time. I watch this because um, it is one I'd happily rewatch again. I think this is what I'm slightly worried about. I think these first three <laughs> stories, I think, um, 
I'd be happy to watch them again. I think there's enough to them to make well watch them. I'm slightly worried that it goes downhill from here on. For me, I mean, who knows? We might, we've got Android Zatara next. I might love it. I, but in my head, I remember thinking that, Kroll, and um, Armageddon Factor, I remember thinking that they are not stories that I would probably watch again if we weren't reviewing <laughs> them. But we shall see. It might, you know, I mean, sometimes you, you see something different when we're reviewing them. So I am looking forward to watching them again. Yeah, but yeah. these first three, I think, are the ones that I like best from this season. But we shall see. But we I'll listen out for that sound effect next yeah. time I watch it. I didn't notice it. Okay. Uh, I've got nothing else on my notes, Steve, for this, have you? No, not really. No, only that the Black Guardian, get beware the Black Guardian, oh, that gets mentioned. Yeah. So I like the fact they've thrown that in there just to give a little bit of of uh, a, an arc, if you like. Mm-hmm. So that's quite cool. But no, I haven't really got anything else. No, I, I'm, I'm done. All right, scores then. It's you to go first, buddy. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm I'm gonna give this the same as the Pirate Planet, a seven point five. Um, I, yeah, I liked it about the same. It it would have been an eight if the ending was better. Uh, it just slipped off really that last episode. It just didn't. It left me a bit underwhelmed, but thankfully it had that nice scene at the end with the Doctor, which made me laugh. So I thought, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, but it didn't quite reach the heights it could have. So 7.5. Okay. For me, it's a 6.5, dude. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go a point lower. Uh, yeah, like I said at the very beginning, I'm, I kind of flip between it's it's got some great stuff versus, oh, it's, I just can't seem to latch on to anything great about it, really. But it does have its moments, and it's got a couple of cool characters. So, so you preferred the Pirate Planet. I did, did yes. Yeah, I gave it um, 7.5. Yep. Right, yeah. Yeah, so not a, not a terrible watch at all. You know, fairly decent. It's just, yeah, there's just no massive payoff, you know. There's no... I wouldn't say no, there was any right. substance. No, you're absolutely but, right. The yeah. payoff, there's no big... Like, because she doesn't really do a lot, does she, that villain? Mm, once we fought, no. once the big reveal... Well, it's not really a big reveal, is it? Because we knew all along. But, you know what I mean? Once she's sort of all silvered up, and you're like, oh, what's she going to do? She doesn't really do anything apart from cackle. So there's no big payoff. You're right, which I think the story needed because it was sort of building towards something, but it just yeah. never happens. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, those are our scores. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a few audio clips in, so we'll, we'll crash into those. First up, it is Joe Turner. Well, the Stones of Blood. Basically, it was a cross between Midsummer Murders, Country File and Merlin, with a doctor planted <laughs> in the middle. For me, the first two parts were decent. However, it dropped in the last two. Overall, I found Professor Rumford a real joy to watch, and her chemistry with Tom was great. It reminded me of David Tennant and Bernie Cribbins in Series 4, and especially in The End of Time. Professor Rumford was enthusiastic, excitable, sweet and lively, and it added to her character. However, the terrible blue screen cliff face didn't hold up very well and ogre are basically yum yums from Greg's, just very large, out of date and could move very, very slowly. I like the mystery part of Vivian, but once we were introduced to the convict ship, the Megara just annoyed me. They were like outer space chuckle brothers. Finally, <laughs> Kenan has some great banter and a quick mention to the Mirren who I spotted in the cell. Overall, I give this a 5.5 out of 10. And by the way, I'd just like to add happy birthday, Geeks, because I know it's your birthday this week. Uh, so whenever you hear this, happy birthday, have a great one and get very, very drunk. See ya. 
Oh, I did. Uh, Don't you worry. <laughs> thank you very much, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned. Yeah. Sorry, mate. No, go on. He mentioned the Wirren there, which actually I had written on my notes and completely forgot to say. We do get a, a glimpse of a, a Wirren from the Ark in Space, don't we? Just briefly. Blink and you'll miss it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank you very much, Joe. Much appreciated, buddy. Uh, moving on, this is Craig Bryce. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well. So I've been away for a couple of weeks. Um, I really enjoy the key to time here, so I'm a bit gutted that I have uh, missed the first couple of weeks. But just quickly, uh, just to recap, the Rybos operation, I do enjoy this one. I always watch this one around Christmas time. I get a very festive feel with this one. Uh, 7 out of 10, not a classic, but not a bad story at all. Pirate Planet, very ambitious story. Um, I really like this one, and I think Chris Chibnall does too, because there's a lot of similarities between this one and the Battle of Ranskar of Colossus, you know, with the planets being... Uh, put inside containers and the uh, menti ads are very similar to the hooks but let's be honest pirate planet is a lot lot better 7.5 out of 10 for me again not quite there as a classic stones of blood it's a strange one this it's a uh, i find the tone changes in the last part of the story going from that very philip hinchcliffe hammer horror era style story then we go to a v- very much a sci-fi story again comedy a bit douglas adams really at the end uh as a highlight, we also get to see a Wirren from one of my favourite stories, uh, The Ark in Space. Uh, all in all, not bad. Some good performances. I like everybody involved, especially uh, Beatrix Lemon, who played Professor Rumford. I really like her character. Uh, to be honest with you, I kind of wish she turned up again in the future in some future stories. Uh, all in all, again, a 7.5 out of 10. Not a classic, but not bad. Cheers, guys. I'll speak to you next week. Bye. 7.5. Same as you, mate. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, all three of our scores... Are the same. We've agreed. So we, I gave exactly the same scores for each story. Yeah. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. Good stuff. And don't worry about yeah. missing weeks, dude. Absolutely no problem at all. So thank you very much for that, Craig. Uh, moving on from down under to Sammy. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So the Stones of Blood. This was definitely better than the Pirate Planet. I think the Fourth Doctor really suits the Gothic horror stuff. I really like kindly archaeologist Professor Rumford. Also, this is the first, maybe only time the Doctor calls Romana 1 by her full name. I really like Romana 1. Paul K9. He does suffer a bit in this one. Batteries running low, getting blown up. Poor thing. I do feel bad that the Doctor kind of drops onto Romana without much delicacy. The fact that the White Guardian, not the Time Lord, sent her to help him. I give it 8 stones of blood out of 10. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. See ya. An eight out of ten. Really, actually, I know that Tom really struggled to say her full name. I think there might have been a few expletives on set that day. He really, <laughs> they said he really did struggle to say it. <laughs> He's like, yeah. you know, I have to say the full name. Yeah, if you could, Tom. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's kind of what we're paying you to do, mate. <laughs> if you could just say the line. <laughs> I uh, could just imagine it for. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sammy. An 8 out of 10. Moving on. This is Josh Hockey. So, the Stones of Blood. The Doctor and the Romana were great. The first part was a bit slow and confusing, but the last three parts were great. And I can't believe a stone nearly killed Canine. Luckily, he survived. The cliffhangers were good. The trial was the best scene by far. I think this is the best story in the key to time so far. So I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Oh, thank you very much, Josh. Thanks, Josh. 8.5. 8.5, a decent score. 
Yeah. Very respectable. I'm glad you enjoyed the cliffhangers as well, dude, because I couldn't get into them. So I'm glad somebody uh, somebody's liking those. Very cool. Thank you very much. And lastly, this is Mr. Seb Lane. Or is it? Hello, Gary and Adam. It's me, Tom Baker, here with another audio review. And this time, we're continuing with the key to time, the 100th story of the show, The Stones of Blood. Well, what can I say? This is a, a cracking story. Well, for the first half at least. It starts off very gothic, and I love gothic. But then it takes a, an odd turn in part three, I think it is, where we go all sci-fi. And I must admit, I'm not sure if that works for this story. But hey-ho. Well, this story is probably one I need to give a rewatch. That's why I'm not going into much detail, but I remember enjoying it for the most part. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Bye for now. A 7 out a of 10? 7 out of 10. From Tom, I mean, I mean Seb. <laughs> Seb, just rolling with the Tom Baker impressions. Very, very cool. And a 7. Not seven. too bad. 7. Thank you very much, Seb, and thank you to all of our... Uh, listeners who have uh, popped on to do audio reviews and taken the time to do that. Uh, love you guys for all that. Uh, on the socials, we had a few over there over on Twitter. Uh, we had the Celestial Colour Maker said, uh, brilliant, really good and fun story, and the Sky Demon. Uh, lost on Gallifrey Podcast. Love this story. It's very fun. It's like a lot of key to time. Manages to avoid feeling like a tired Stone Circle Witchcraft Doom Story by throwing that hyperspace twist halfway through. Overall, an enjoyable run around the country. Uh, seven out of ten. Beware the Ogri, indeed. <laughs> Edward Giluli, a story of two halves. I really like the first two parts set around the stones, and this successfully harks back to the Gothic-inspired Hinchcliffe era. Uh, however, uh, the later two episodes on the spaceship are boring, and the Megara are frankly irritating. So overall... 6.5 Ogri out of 10. Uh, actually, I think I was mistaken earlier. Uh, when I said it harks back and feels very Robert Holmesy, I think it is a bit more Hinchcliffe-y, actually. Hinchcliffe, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Thank you that for that, Edward. I um, knew what you meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our writer, Jordan Shortman, says, One of my fave stories of all time. I love the location work. The monsters, the camping scene is terrifically scary. Tom Baker and Mary Tam are clearly having a ball. And uh, Professor Rutherford is a great could-have-been companion. Mm. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic outing i love it and lastly dan pin says my fave story of the key to time love the hammer horror feel of the first episode stones circles and druids uh, professor rumford what a great character then we get a wonderfully bonkers space court drama for the final two parts and 8.5 okay. uh, we had a few on facebook uh, helen jones Welcome oh, back, know. Helen. Haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, love a stone circle. <laughs> uh, this is definitely my fave of the key to time, although I wish the whole story had been set around the stone circle and yeah. the Kaliach worshippers rather than spending the second half on the spaceship. Uh, still, a slightly lacklustre second half was more than made up for with the performances of Tom, Mary and the guest characters. Special nod to Beatrix Lehman, uh, Lehman, who was superb as Professor Rumford, and also Mary Tam, who was a real trooper, to have performed a good chunk of the first episode barefoot. Mm. Uh, she gives it a nine out of ten. Nine? Oh, Helen loving it. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Turner said, overrated, I'm sorry to say. Oh, dear. Not as bad as the Pirate Planet, uh, as I quite like that concept. 
Uh, four out of 10, mainly because of Tom and Mary's performances. Uh, not related to this again, but I have got my power again. In other words, I received my copy of the special edition of The Power of Daleks. Ah, oh. oh, Nice one, Charlie. Enjoy that, dude. And lastly, Millie McKenzie says, I absolutely adore this one. Love mm. the location, the sets, the mystery. Tom is on fire. Mary looks gorgeous. Uh, its only downside for me is the acting of Silver Lady. <laughs> uh, she's great as Vivian, but on that ship, she's just like a bad high school play. Uh, but yeah. she gives it a 9.5. Yeah, very pantomime. So that's all right, though. The old ah, 9.5. Ah, yeah. ah, ah, she does that terrible <laughs> pantomime laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's all the scores. All they're all in. Thank you so much, guys, for all of your reviews and thoughts on that. Next week, dude, what we got? Yeah, so next week, this is going to be interesting because this is probably the one that I remember least about. Um, Androids of Tara mm. next week. Men in tights. Yeah, Prince Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah I just don't... Mm, I don't know about this one. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I like <laughs> uh, Stones of Blood, I was looking forward to watching it. And of Tara, I don't know if I've got a good feeling about this one. We'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, mm. we'll see. So that's what we're up to next week. Uh, but for now, let's wrap there, dude, for 275. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us for another week for episode 275 and listening to us waffle on about Doctor Who Doctor Who (laughs) Um, thank you very much to all of our reviewers who have sent in audio clips and for those of you posting on the socials it's lovely to hear all of your thoughts as always next week as Adam said it's the androids of Tara cracking on with the key to time we're halfway through now after that one so uh, yeah we'll love to hear your thoughts on it as always so keep an eye on the socials as we'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows on there plus check out all of the cool reviews and articles from our writing team there are links there to go off the various podcast networks uh, um, uh, apple podcasts uh, stitcher spotify the whole lot it's all on there and if you do subscribe if you could spare a second for a review that would be awesome because it helps us out loads and loads uh, as I mentioned, we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website or do a search for us, you'll find us on there. Come and chat Doctor Who throughout the week. Uh, it'd be cool to hang out and waffle some more around Doctor Who. We've got a free Discord server as well, the link is on the website. Come and hang out over there. And also, before we go, as always, remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Geek's Handbag, yes. Go and have a look. Go and have a looky. <laughs> There's still there's some good stuff on there. It's, it's all it's about two months old, but it's, go and have a look for it's all taken down. Yeah, don't, don't worry, dude. There's years worth of, of videos there's over there. There's tons plenty of stuff on there. Yeah. So uh, if you want to just get lost for an hour or so in a bunch of geeky videos, go and make a drink. Depending on the weather, could be tea, could be a nice a nice ice beer, whatever you got. Oh yeah. Uh, go and check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. And Adam is on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Uh, he's very active on those. So I was going to say, I'm very, yeah, I'm the absolute opposite. I'm all over the socials. Indeedy, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so go and connect with us over there. Chat, lots of Doctor Who. 
uh, over there. Uh, right, until next week for episode 276, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... And... Hey. 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 Hey.